0: which is the name for our personal witchcraft practices, we have spent a great deal of time discussing what we believe and why. These conversations led to the writing of a book full of information about our tradition. We call these beliefs metaphysical kernels of thought because they are the start of much, much bigger ideas. We thought we would share some of these with you. So
1: today's metaphysical kernel of thought is Housel. Housel is what the path chooses to call cakes and ale. The origin of the word is from the Germanic languages, meaning a sacrifice. Its definition is to sanctify something or give the Eucharist to someone. The act of the Eucharist is where bread and wine are made holy in the Christian church. For us, Housel is a sacred sharing of food and drink as part of the closing section of any ritual. The food is usually some type of bread which represents a gift from the gods and is usually something we have baked ourselves. The drink represents a gift from the goddesses and is usually some type of juice. Many groups use wine or mead, but we are a sober group. The choice of what to serve is completely up to you. We often try to match what we are having to the energy we are working with or the season of the year. If nothing else, we try to serve a plain loaf of bread that is baked the day of ritual. One of the authors has a recipe that was for three times great-grandmother's, and she has fond memories of her own grandmother first teaching her how to bake at the age of six. We also always serve harvest apple bars as part of our Samhain rituals. They're full of apples, cranberries, and nuts, which are things that are consistently available in our area at that time of year. Finally, after partaking of household by blessing and sharing the food and drink, we create what we call a libation. The libation is combining a little of the food and drink together, which we then offer to the earth as a gift at the end of ritual. Housel serves two purposes for us. First, by sharing food and drink, we are reminded yet again of the blessings in our daily lives. Second, it is a way to continue to ground or return to the mundane world after working in ritual. It is always important to make sure you ground excess energy so you don't end up with what we call an energy hangover, which can leave you with jittery feelings and an inability to relax after ritual. During our last episode, we were talking about the three big parts of a ritual where most of them have an opening, a working and a closing. And a big part of the closing section is what we call Housel. Many other groups and books, if you read a lot of books about witchcraft, which most of us do, talk about it being cakes and ale as if it's some sort of glorious celebration of sweetness and drink, usually alcoholic. Crackers and wine, yep. (laughs) Oh, yeah, exactly. That's the whole idea, though. I mean, I don't know who co-opted it from whom. I don't think it matters. But it's the idea of sharing sacred food and drink. And we use the word hausel, which is actually Germanic, which means it's been around probably longer than say, Eucharist, which it has come to also mean, you know, which is giving, well, actually giving the Eucharist, which implies it's a sacrifice of some sort, you know, a giving Mm -hmm. up of something. And we've kind of knocked that idea sort of backwards into a sacred sharing of food and drink with each other. Yep. And you think about it as a way to remind ourselves that, yes, we have food and drink available which in this world is not guaranteed at the moment, especially with supply chain issues, but those are first world problems.
0: Well, and something that I got used to watching you and Susan Susan do, in fact, um, in, in many cases, I got the opportunity to take part at least by doing this for you guys, is not only did you share the The food, the symbolic food and the symbolic drink that were parts of sacrifice with each other. But at the end, there was always a half eaten cookie and a half eaten or a a half drank uh, cup of the juice that I would put out on our yard altar. And, uh, for example, you and I did a ritual last week and I can look out there now and see that the cookie has been knocked off the top of the juice bottle and been nibbled on a couple of times by some squirrels and some birds and whatnot. So we have shared with each other and with our, our local environment or our genus loci or whatever you want to refer to it. So it's been shared with each other and with the universe. And that's, I kind of like that trichotomy
1: there. I do too very much to me. Libation was, is always as important as our household, you know, our sharing, and for me too, um, being an inventor and (laughs) baker, I like the opportunity to create the food portion of the ritual that we're going to share. I think it's more meaningful when it's something that you have prepared. Now sure, sure.
0: You they're- got your fingers into it. And, and you you have even traditionally made choices on what you're baking that try to involve some seasonal aspects. You know, we we always joke about the the autumn time apple bars that always put a couple of pounds on Dave. But yeah, you try to make sure that there are seeds or grains or fruits or some forms of ingredients that have some relevance to where we are in the cycle of the year which makes it even more appropriate of a, a sacrifice medium or, or whatever you want to call it.
1: Thank you for noticing that. Sue and I used to get a kick out of the fact that I always make lemon poppy seed bread for equinoxes because it's yellow, it's light and dark. The poppy seeds are a dark color. Yep. The lemon yellow is very reminiscent of day and night in equal measure as they were. And I, I take joy in that. I find it fun. I mean, it's ritual at its most basic. It's supposed to be fun in there, otherwise you're doing it. You know, there, there's no point to it otherwise, I don't think. And not only was it a time of sharing of food and drink, but for us, it was often a time to sit there and discuss what we experienced in ritual as we came back into the mundane and talk sure. about what worked, what didn't work, what we especially liked, like let's do this again, or how can we flip this into a different context and use it differently? Yep. You know, and we used to come it's up kind with
0: of a Kind of a little debrief there while you're i mean i i know we do the the ritual part of the household where we're actually making an offering and a blessing exactly but yeah while we're while we're munching we're talking about what parts we liked what parts we didn't like what parts moved us and whatnot so yeah it's it's sort of a i i want to say a conversational debrief that leads to that transition back into the mundane and I I think for me I don't know maybe it's because I've been very food focused for much of my life when I'm chewing and swallowing and eating that's a very primal kind of a mundane thing for me so having a chat and a snack at the end of the ritual was a perfect time to be able to talk things down and Okay, I've gotten trained well enough over time that if we did a ritual and the ritual went too long, my stomach would start to growl during the ritual circle and say, all right, it's time for snack.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can see that for people. And And it's important, too, a lot of times they talk about, you know, they brush over the grounding aspects of eating and drinking. I mean a big part of a closing is when you come back to the mundane is if you've had a good ritual and a good working you're full of extra energy for want of a better word
0: oh yeah you're they're vibrating and buzzing and and, and emitting stuff and just all kinds of half astral
1: yeah and, and eating really is like you said it's such a mundane thing then it really forces a lot of that excess out of you and not in a bad way. It's just replaced by the mundane again.
0: Sure. Sure. Yeah, you get some a different rush of endorphins and endorphins and whatnot that helps you physically feel the metaphysical transition.
1: Exactly. And if you don't, I and I, I, we call it an energy hangover. I'm sorry. It is. If you've ever been to a ritual where you don't get the opportunity to ground afterwards, I've driven home from a couple of those. And it is not a good experience because you're so hyper everything at that point.
0: Absolutely. And it's, and it's difficult to, uh, it's difficult to be able to, like I can think of a couple of cases where I've had a, a ritual that was interrupted And then it's it's difficult to reconnect to that same sort of moment to be able to put that away so
1: exactly makes a great deal of sense when you put it like that you know so so housel is a multi-purpose piece of something you know i think
0: i think some of that grounding too even goes back Oh, if we, you know, when we refer to old gods and some of the, some of the stuff that we think about in our lore, I I have to believe that breaking bread at its, its root level, at the end of any exercise or any ceremony or anything, for me to sit and offer bread to someone and share bread with them, that is a kind of a clan or a, almost an energy intimate bonding. Um, I mean, there are people that I'll run into in the store that I've only ever actually seen once or twice in in, in an older coven's um, ritual space. Mm-hmm. But when I recognize that, yep, I've eaten bread with them at the end of a ritual, there's a there's a bond of, of kinship there.
1: Well, when you think about it, back, 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 if you were. Eating and drinking with someone—you were not in the middle of actively trying to kill them. If oh, you want, yeah. civilization is kind of founded on.
0: Don't sh- bring your weapons to the, the table. table. Yep, this exactly. is this is the time for us to share bounty, not try to wrestle each other.
1: Yeah, or or we are more likely to be, like you said, in community. You know, we are more likely to attempt to get along with each other. And if you think about Beck and me, they talk about the early Christian communion um, was performed in people's homes and not in a church setting. And yes, it was bread and yes, it was wine. And if you are sharing wine with somebody, you are lowering your inhibitions, which makes you more likely to get along with each other which made community and there have been people who think this is one of the downfalls of the christian church as a viable religion of the people is it's become so sterilized that it is grape juice it's not wine and it's done in a church setting so it isn't like a meal like it originally was in that sense
0: well and one more aspect there is you are not giving bread and wine to each other you are all exchanging bread and wine with the particular holy man's representative mm-hmm. and so it's not as much of a neighborly thing as it is a subservience thing or at least that's the way i tend to feel about
1: it Oh i do too in that sense you know and i'm not knocking the original purpose at all
0: you know No so- no not at all it's just something that at least or especially in our case, it's it's somewhat evolved.
1: Yes. Well, it's the organized religion piece of a lot of it. You know, and I think as witches, we tend to look down on organized religion or have issues with organized religion might be a better way to put that. So that being part of a group of practicing witches and sharing it that way it's not an organized thing. It's very organic.
0: Well, and and what I like is it's, it may have an officiant that performs a role, but it's not the officiant dictating what the ritual is going to be. The meat of the ritual is sourced from the congregation, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's more energy there. And just a quick side note, it looks like my video has seized up but it looks like my audio is still running fine so i'm just going to keep right on going here pretend everything's
1: okay i think we're fine we're allowed these little technical glitches as we get the hang of this you know but like i said i think the biggest part of causal is you the food and drink can be whatever you want it to be you know we on the path we like our homemade bread but i just I think homemade bread is better, anyway. But it doesn't. It can be whatever you want. It can be Oreo cookies if you really want to. You know, the point is to have something that represents food. God, and- I can
0: remember. Oh, this is going back thirty some odd years, but I can remember being in the Navy and having a can of Mountain Dew. <laughs> And a packet of peanut M&M's and going up onto the flight deck at sundown and just kind of sitting by myself and my house at the end was peanut M&M's and Mountain Dew. But out at sea, that is a very, very dear commodity. And it was something special and precious
1: to me. Exactly. I think that's the whole point. Is is you you are you are using something that has personal meaning for you? It's like some groups like mead, some groups like wine. Okay, I'm sorry, I've been sober for a very long time. So why, if somebody offered me wine in a ritual setting, I would say thank you, but no thank you. You know, so that you have to pick and choose what you want is a group. We made a decision a long time ago that we would stick with, like, we we get sparkling juice. We have a local grocery store that is a has an amazing selection of sparkling, non-alcoholic, all sorts of juices, you know, that you can eat yep. from and enjoy. So it's up to you. I mean, heck, you could even have orange juice if you want. I have a granddaughter who is not a coffee drinker, but she needs her orange juice like I need my coffee in the morning because it wakes her up and gets her going. So, you know, it's just a matter of what you want to pick and choose. We are not sitting here saying, okay, you need to go out and learn how to bake your own bread tomorrow for housel kind of thing. You know, you have to have time to be able to at least mix the bread initially. I can beat it up later and form it into loaves and bake it and all the stuff they go So there's a commitment of time and energy when you create something for ritual. And people may not have time to do that. And that's perfectly okay, too. The point is, though, that you want something that represents food, something that represents drink that you can combine, as you said later, to offer to the land. And that's the basics of housel right there. And you can call it housel, you can call it cakes and ale, you can call it communion for all we care. The point is to include it as an ending of your ritual because it's a nice way to announce that, okay, we're done with the working, we're coming back to the mundane and we're focusing on sharing again because I don't care what you do in working, there is a certain point where it becomes an individual experience, regardless of if you're doing it with a group or not. And then you need that period at the end of the sentence to say, okay, we're done now. Witch stones are a divination tool we created as part of our practice that deals with what we call concrete stones, specific types and kinds of energy and conceptual stones, things and ideas about witchcraft, which can be read with either a seen or an unseen meaning. Recently, we have developed a set of Oracle cards using this information. We would like to introduce you to one of these stones right now. In today's Witchstone Spotlight,
0: we'll be looking at the stone for Light God. But first, let's form a brief understanding of a new type of Witchstone's Oracle card, the concept cards. Unlike the concrete cards, which deal with specific energies or points in time, the 16 concept cards are based on something entirely different and much less specific. They are split into two distinctive groups of eight. The first group consists of eight mental concepts, which are based on our ideas and or our beliefs about witchcraft. The second group consists of eight physical concepts, which are based on activities and or things that relate to what we practice. We'll be talking about those later in this series. Each of these sets has a two-colored border relating to both the elements and to the concept of as above, so below, and as below, so above. All of the meanings of these cards are both singular and interconnected through the common witchcraft phrase, as above, so below as within, so without. This phrase has often been interpreted as being connected with various light or dark and positive or negative energies and all the corresponding good and evil associations created by society and cultures over the centuries. However, on the path, we have learned that energy itself is neither good nor evil, but a neutral force that presents as either projective or receptive in nature. The phrase is also connected with the basics concept of magic, whereby like attracts like, allowing spellcraft to manifest what someone needs or needs to get rid of when it no longer serves them. The eight mental concept cards are associated with the phrase as above so below and deals with the energies of thoughts that lead to processes In the reverse. They are all surrounded by a border of white and black. The white represents the energy of the element of air, which we associate with thoughts and ideas. The black represents the energy of the element of earth, which we associate with personal development, through growth, or processes. Thoughts can lead to processes, the act of doing, which can cycle to generate new thoughts, leading to new processes. They begin with a projective energy, which is received and reflected back, generating new projective energy. So once again, the mental concepts move from above to below, with air on top and earth on the bottom. The air element is associated with thoughts and ideas, which can lead to the earth element where manifestation of some type of personal development in yourself takes place. So, in today's Witchstone Spotlight, we'll be looking at the stone for Light God. Our concept stones focus on an aspect of the craft, rather than a specific physical energy, and they detail the causal relationship of action and result, echoing those ideas of as above, so below, and as below, so above. The light god is the first of eight mental concept stones of the Witchstone Oracle that relate to the energy of thoughts or processes. It displays a pictograph of a white horned figure with red, black, gray, and white antlers and red eyes surrounded by a white over black border. The border being split, white over black, tells us that this is a concept stone and the border being white over black or air over earth tells us that this card represents one of the mental concepts. Throughout ancient history, there have been pairs of god goddess figures that have represented the dichotomies of light and dark. For example, the Egyptians had Horus and set light and darkness. The Persians had Ahuna Mazda and Angra Manu, Light and dark, and the Baltic Slavs had byulobog, light, and carnalog dark. These were not exclusive, and one could not exist without the other. While human sense have assigned meanings to the light as good and to the dark as evil, many of the myths talk about how light was created out of darkness, and they were more symbolic of order and chaos than they were good. At versus evil. So for us on the path, the light God stone is a personification of light and is associated with projective energy. The timing of the light God represents the light half of the year where our practice has an outward focus, working on projects or activities to allow our spiritual practice to continue to grow and develop. It is a stone of projective energy because its energy is associated with that light half of the year. And although it is a mental concept, it crosses over into the physical as well because it deals with putting some work into some area of our life as well as the growth that comes from doing so. This stone card also deals with giving birth to new ideas, which can be hard work. The light God stone card is associated with the full moon lunar phase. The light God represents thoughts and ideas when reflecting on the element of air and the light God represents personal development when reflecting on the element of earth. In a reading, the scene energy for the light God is physical doing, birth and life cycle, and Results come in divine timing. Physical doing may be about putting some work into some area of our life. Birth and life cycle not only relates to new beginnings or ideas, but expanding or growing these into fruition as relates to the light half of the year's projective energies. And results come in divine timing may mean you need to do the work and leave the results of something you may want or need up to the universe to provide when the time is proper. The unseen energy for the light God in a reading is physical doing, growth that is waiting, and wasting potential opportunities. Physical doing may be about making sure that we are not overdoing it with too many projects at the same time. Growth that is waiting may be a message to remind us that we cannot force things to mature before they are ready. And wasting potential opportunities may be a reminder to take a look at what we might want to put our energies into and not to miss out because we don't want to take a chance on something.
1: We have heard from some of our listeners who appreciate what we are talking about in our segments but are asking for spells or about spells. Can you give me a spell for this or that? I want to be able to fill in the blank here, find love, romance, money, etc. Since you asked, we are adding a small segment to some of our podcasts going forward that we are calling Practical Magic for the Everyday Witch. These are simple spells we use that don't require a lot of ingredients for correspondences or sometimes no ingredients at all. Because we like to be able to use magic to deal with the practical everyday stuff, this is what we have to share. However, the biggest reminder about spellcraft is that the best spells are the ones you create for yourself because they are a part of your own magic. There are three important components to any spell. Number one is setting your intent. This means that you need to be able to state clearly and precisely what you want your spell to do and how you want it to be done. Number two is ingredients. Any physical items you need to cast your spell, such as candles or herbs, or to act as correspondences, which are representations of something physical that you don't have right in front of you or are trying to come up with or manifest. Finally, number three is some sort of way to raise energy. After all, all spells are powered by energy and there are a number of different ways to raise this type of energy, including chanting or various movements. Harmony is agreement or being in accord with something or someone. Harmony is internal calm or a sense of tranquility. Harmony is the pleasing arrangement of parts or the congruence of bringing things together. What more can you ask for? We can all use more harmony in our interactions with others at home, at work, anywhere we spend a great deal of time. This spell is designed to encourage harmony. It won't eliminate disagreements, but it may encourage better communication about personal differences that need to be managed. And in fact, you may already have the ingredients available in your kitchen spice cupboard. So here's what you need, a small mesh bag with very small holes. These you can find in most dollar stores or craft stores around you. Allspice for determination, black pepper for confidence, cloves for mental clarity, rosemary for strength, and sage for wisdom. What you're going to do is place some of each of the herbs in the bags while saying what each is going to be for. In other words, you name its correspondence out loud, and I'll stick all the correspondences in the show notes for you. Then you're going to tie the bag shut tightly with a knot and repeat a chant while holding the bag over and over until you feel you have raised enough energy. Here's the simple chant. Discord and stress disappear. Only harmony is around here. Again, discord and stress disappear. Only harmony is around here. And that chant will be in the show notes for you as well. I'm going to pour the energy into the bag and say, so mote it be, or it is done. Now place the bag in the area where you want to encourage harmony. You can make multiple bags and tuck them into your desk or at work or in the room in your home where you spend the most time. An important note, this spell should be replaced monthly for it to continue to be effective. Dispose of the items as you would with any other spell work, then start with fresh, with a new bag and herbs to make it again. Harmony is a wonderful thing when you can keep it in your life as much as possible. Before we go, we would like to present you with a tip or trick or witchy hint, just something to make your day go better, because we live in a mixture of the magical and the mundane.
0: Today's tip, trick, or witchy hint is simply a different way of looking at sigils, seeing them as magical gestures. Similar to centuries of Christians crossing themselves as a silent brief expression of prayer We on the path believe that making these quick gestures or hand signals or drawing of signals in the air is an active way to practice magic in our mundane lives. My lovely wife, Sue, used to make a hand gesture like a snow plow before she would drive in the evening. This was to send a wave of energy ahead of our vehicle to make sure that any of the critters, like the deer or the raccoons, etc., could feel us coming and stay back where they and we could stay safe. She would also point a figure towards a car approaching on a cross street and whisper, see me, just to make sure that people were aware. I am often seen bowing with my clasped hands to any passing ambulance or rescue vehicle and I draw an invisible pentagram on the lock of the door of my house when I leave for safety and security purposes. As a bicycle commuter, I sweep the road and clean the tires before any ride. This is simply to protect from broken glass, etc., on the roadside. So we wave in the air and chant and dance we're, when we're in a ritual. Why not use some of the same magical techniques on tomorrow morning's commute?
1: Well, it looks like the coffee cups are empty for this week. We hope you join us again next Tuesday, but you can find us at our website two young crones.com. That's the number two young crones.
0: You can also find us on social media, such as Facebook and Twitter.
1: Until then, Until then remember, remember, we are witches who work with energies to affect change.
0: We are believers in both immanent and transcendent divine.
1: We are celebrants of the passage of the solar and lunar cycles.
0: We are hedge walkers who pass back and forth between the worlds of the magical and the mundane. We are seekers
1: of knowledge.
0: We are walkers of a spiritual tradition we call the path. So So it be.